1: On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5 with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or
0: restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment friends, it's Dana, and welcome back to another episode of the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. Not a super long intro today, we're going to jump right into the episode with my friend Victoria Albina, who, as it so happens, is a return guest. She was actually last on on the podcast in April 2020. So uh, right in the thick of it, right? (laughs) Which is when we talked about codependency and the nervous system. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the effect of holiday stress and perfectionism on the nervous system, which as you guys know, is one of my favorite topics to talk about and Victoria's as well, but with a different spin on it. So a little bit of a background on Victoria. She's a nurse practitioner, a life coach, and has a master's degree in public health and is a certified breathwork practitioner. So she focuses on coaching women raised by codependents and alcoholics to stop being anxious, exhausted, and overwhelmed so they can have better relationships with their partners, their parents, and themselves. And like I mentioned on today's episode, we're going to be digging into the effect of that holiday stress and perfectionism on the nervous system. We're also going to be chatting about how to listen to and honor the body's needs. And Victoria is also sharing with us a simple orienting practice that you can do to help soothe the nervous system, especially during times of high holiday stress.
1: I was really hoping that you could share with us a little bit about your journey. I thought it was really interesting, like when I read about you, about how you went from an NP um To working with people who have codependent relationships. And I was thinking that has to have a story.
2: Yeah. So my name is Victoria Albina. I use she, they pronouns and I live on occupied Muncie Lenape land, just North of New York city. Um, my journey, I mean, first of all, like every immigrant parent's dream come true that their kid would quit medicine to be a life coach. (laughs) So I came into medicine as so many of us do, um, from being sick myself. So I had wicked irritable bowel syndrome, small intestine bacterial overgrowth, like the whole slew of GI hot mess and what often comes with it, which is intermittent depression and anxiety. And My journey was one, again, will resonate with so many people of not being seen, not being heard in the Western medical system and being told some pretty ridiculous things. I had a GI tell me once that if I didn't want IBS symptoms, which were SIBO symptoms, but we didn't have that language back then, to only eat white foods, like literally, oh my God, Dana's face.
0: Only you it's just see. racism and diet culture. Here you go. <laughs> Only eat the white casual. foods. They'll make
2: you healthier. <laughs> casual, casual. Yeah. Right. Like no nutrients, no, fi- like nothing ever good for you, but that'll, I mean, but it was also right in that, like, you won't have SIBO symptoms if you're not eating food. So that's cool. So my journey was really one of recognizing the vital role that mindset was playing in keeping me sick. And I'm, I, am very cautious here because I don't believe that mindset is the whole thing that made me sick. I had a parasite. I had blastocystis hominis. I had, uh, you know, my gut microbiome was a, and I say this lovingly, super hot mess, right? It was denuded from years of antibiotics and needed rebuilding. The parasites needed murdered. And because my mindset was one that kept me in chronic sympathetic activation in my nervous system in so much fight or flight, which then of course depleted my adrenals, right? My adrenals were exhausted, not that a, an organ can get exhausted, but you know, to go with the colloquial adrenal fatigue, cause it's easy. Um, when my adrenals were in that state of being so worn down and my nervous system was so profoundly dysregulated from really sourcing my sense of self-worth from everyone and everything outside of me in the codependent framework and construct I was living in, it makes sense that the migrating motor complex in my small intestine wouldn't function properly because that's what it's supposed to do. If it thinks you're being chased by a lion or you've been chased for so long, you're at the back of the cave, shut down in dorsal, your, nerv- your nervous system's going to tell your gut not to process a cheeseburger because it's stupid to process a cheeseburger when there's a lion chasing you. It's like math, right? Like, because science, my body shut down my digestive capacities, which then again impacted my, my mood, which then again impacted my mindset. So it was this really circular uh, situation that I was stuck in that so many of my patients were stuck in. For a while, I thought functional medicine was the answer. Do the really fancy test, do, and I have, you know. Whatever we learn better, we do better, we we, you know, but I did the whole elimination diet saga for myself and everyone else, not recognizing just how much a part of diet culture and eating disorder culture I was playing a role in. What are you gonna do? Right. Here we are doing better. But um yeah, been there. We've all been there. It's what we were taught was like the way, cut out all of the foods, and then again, you won't have the tummy ache. What I came to really see day after day day after day after day in my functional medicine clinic was that I was treating the stress, distress, and trauma of codependent perfectionist and people-pleasing thought habits of putting ourselves dead last and then resenting everyone else for the choices we had made. It was keeping our GI systems, our thyroid, our reproductive function, our mood, our energy, our adrenals, really feeling like crap. And so it, 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 it came to a point where I realized I was practicing green pharmacy, right? I was giving people supplements in lieu of drugs, but I wasn't actually giving them what they really needed, which were the tools and skills to regulate their nervous system, find themselves in ventral vagal and that safe and social part of their nervous system, and to really shift the story, mind, body, and spirit about who they are in the world and what they deserve which is to be cherished and loved and treated well, instead of what we were living in, which was this codependent story that we don't actually matter. And through that work, I see my clients now healing in wild ways, like in such profound ways, because they're starting with the story of I am, instead of just swallowing a fistful of supplements and cutting out gluten dairy and everything delicious and thinking that that's the thing that's going to heal them boom boom done (laughs) it's been a pleasure smell you later right (laughs) we're done now we're done it's over
0: (laughs) oh my gosh but like in short just as a reminder for people elimination diets can't fix this shit you know supplements can't fix this shit right um but one thing that i wanted to go back to that you mentioned that i don't think we've talked about a lot on this mm. podcast specifically is chronic sympathetic activation so could you go into what that is a little bit for the n- listeners
2: with great joy so i'm gonna nerd real hard so make sure your pocket protectors in place your safety goggles are on here we go so let's do a quick nervous system 101 yeah so Our autonomic or automatic nervous system is ruled by the great and fantastic vagus nerve, the 10th cranial nerve, the longest nerve in our magnificent human bodies that enervates or gives nerve function to pretty much everything that runs through the middle of us. So pretty much like all the good stuff. So uh, it uh, regulates our heart rate, our breathing, our digestion, and like thyroid, reproductive function, mood, energy. The vagus nerve has three parts and this is polyvagal theory. This comes from Dr. Stephen Porges. If you want to learn more, I recommend the work of Deb Dana. She's a social worker. So she puts it into English. That's really a lot more digestible than wonderful, amazing Porges, who just talks like plain nerd and not understandable nerd. So the vagus nerve, we've got these three parts, sympathetic activation, which is fight or flight being chased by a lion. And then we've got parasympathetic, which has two parts, which I referred to earlier, ventral vagal, which is safe and secure, social. I want to hang out. It's how I feel looking in y'all's eyes right now. I'm just like, chill. I'm here. Um, My cognitive function is optimal. Um, And my body is at work digesting what I just ate. It's doing what I want it to do in an optimal way because I'm in that ventral vagal. I feel safe. I feel chill. I'm in my cozy little house and talking to people who I really respect. Next is dorsal shutdown. And that's also part of that parasympathetic system. And that's where our bodies go to when we've tried fight or flight. And we tried so hard to get out of there, to to fight back, to really just make it stop. And we couldn't. And so it's a feigned death response. It's like a possum playing possum or a deer in the headlights. It's like, don't look at me. I'm not here. I don't exist. Which in humans can often look like depression, whereas sympathetic can look like anxiety. Um, in sympathetic, we're all revved up. In dorsal, we're all shut down. And from that dorsal place, it's it happens all the time. We dissociate, right? We're like, I, what was I saying? oh, I don't know, my mind just went blank, right? Like it happens in these little spurts throughout our day and our, our bodies get dysregulated, which is a normal natural process that happens throughout our lives. And I wanna say this clearly because the, the Instagrams make it look like, like sympathetic and dorsal are a problem or are bad. And they're not, they're vital without some sympathetic activation. You wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. You wouldn't put on pants. Like it's our get up and go energy. And to your point, when we get stuck in that chronic activation, what our bodies are seeking to do is to complete a circuit, to complete the stress activation response that happens when we experience stress, distress, or trauma. So we want to punch the lion in the nose, but it's a lion and we're tiny animals and so we don't, right? And so that that desire to push against, to push away, to scream into the wind, make it stop is thwarted uh, because we were children, because we didn't have the resources, because we're smaller animals, and you know, because we're at work and we can't scream at our boss because we're a kid and we can't scream at our parent because then we could not get fed, right? We're not idiots, right? We know the smart thing to do is to go along and get along when we're in that small place. So all that energy of like, I want to escape gets stuck in our bodies. And so we can spend a lifetime getting activated uh, into that sympathetic response where we're reactive to everything reactive defensive wanting it wanting to push against right and from that act that chronic sympathetic place we're burning up um adrenaline norepinephrine eventually cortisol which takes a huge toll on our physiology our digestion um, our capacity to di- to absorb our nutrients right metabolism catabolism gets really messed up uh and we're we're hyped up we're anxious. We're fight or flighty We're everything looks like danger. Everything looks like an attack. We're ready to just snap at people. Uh, We're ready to just fight. It's an exhausting way to be.
1: Um, I'm wondering too, if you could share some of the, how does someone, how does that then lead back to that codependent perfectionistic zone that people can fall in? And what are some of the major signs and symptoms that they might experience to kind of point them in the direction of, ding, 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 this might be me?
2: Yeah. So I define codependent thinking as chronically sourcing our self-worth, our sense of value and validation in the world from everything external to us our job title, our credentials, um, our partnership, right? Like if we're in a romantic relationship, how's it going? Do, our, do people like that person, right? Because everything's a reflection of us and not other people existing as themselves. Uh, we source our worth from our parents, from our children, from our siblings, from our boss, from social media, from how many downloads our podcast gets, right? Like from literally everything outside of ourselves, instead of looking within. As social animals and humans are pack animals, we need each other, we need each other's validation, but what happens in that codependent, perfectionist, people-pleasing spiral is that we value other people's opinions more than our own. So when other people don't like us or don't agree with us or think we shouldn't be an artist, we should be a dentist, right? Like when someone else pushes up against the validation we previously were leaning on it's like knocking a leg off a stool right we crumble and we go into that sympathetic activation of defensiveness protectiveness overworking overproving right we do anything we can we we shapeshift we chameleon we become a version of ourselves we are not to try to get that validation back because it's like we we don't know how to live centered in ourselves Yeah. So really looking to other people before we look to ourselves, trusting their opinions over our own and really wanting that validation, like with, with a desperation, like with an urgency, those are some symptoms, some experiences I commonly see when this is our mindset, this externalized self-worth is, is the way we function in the world
0: which especially becomes a problem this time of year when we have all of the holiday food and body talk and we're seeing people i mean especially this year when we're seeing people that we haven't seen in a really long time and there's going to be comments made about different things right so last year or last week on the podcast we talked about how to navigate difficult conversations that are coming up during the holidays or on the holiday table and everything but so When we're thinking about this context of codependency and really outsourcing your self-worth for other people's validation and everything like that with the holiday season in mind right now, can you talk about some of the typical responses that people might exhibit or have when they're experiencing this holiday stress related to the nervous system? So like fight, flight, freeze, all the things.
2: Yeah. It really, for me, comes down to the somatics, right? To that bodily experience. When I'm sitting at the table and my auntie is saying, you've gained weight, you've lost weight, right? When there's pressure to eat something that you know doesn't feel good in your body. That sensation of not really being at home in yourself and so I think we actually need to back up, right? Because I, what I hear over and over and over again from my clients and from listeners f- to my podcast is I don't know what it means. I don't know what it feels like. I don't, I don't have a connection with the felt experience of being at home with me, of being truly anchored in ventral vagal inside myself. I don't know what a yes and no feels like right? Which pairs with, I don't know what I want and need because I've spent a whole lifetime pushing that aside to try to get that and keep that external validation. So it really starts long before you get to the holiday table of taking the time to actively experience you being at home in you, you really landing in you, right? So what does ventral vagal feel like in your body? And so one easy way, easy, (laughs) one way that I can explain simply because none of this shit's easy, right? Um, But one way that we can start to get a a connection with that is through our embodied yes and no. Does that sound like a good thing to go into? Yeah? Okay. Yeah. They're nodding, everybody. So I'm going to keep going. So embodied yes and no is something I teach my clients pretty much from jump because it's kind of foreign to us. So I wanna invite you, if it is safe for you listening, to close your beautiful eyes, do so. If you're driving, operating, heavy machinery, please don't do that. And if it doesn't feel safe to close your eyes because that's not safe for you, just lower your gaze, find your way inward. And if inward isn't safe, just get present to where you are. Feel your seat or your feet on the floor. Feel the air in the room. I want to invite you to bring to mind a moment when you felt unembodied. Yes. It could be as simple as this morning when you reached for your favorite morning beverage and you thought, yum, it's a cold day. That sounds delicious. It could be a deeper moment when you felt profound love for someone, for a human, a puppy, a kitten. And as you bring that moment of yes to mind, I want to invite you to drop the narrative and feel into your body, to get present with a sensation in your body as you experience yes, yes, this hot shower feels incredible, these warm socks on my feet, saying I do to someone I love, getting that diploma. What it is, the content is irrelevant. What is vital is that connection inside. Feel into yes. Feel into as it sparkles in your belly, do your shoulders feel lighter? Is there a whoosh of warmth across your chest? Get present to that yes. Thank your body for the gift of showing you what yes is. And we'll bring ourselves back to neutral. I'd shake my hands to kind of shake that energy off and just come back to neutral. And next, I'll invite you to stay with me as we go into an embodied, no. Please, I would like to strongly request that you do not go to a traumatic place. We're not going to when something terrible happened. We're going to that moment when you were choosing between the Reuben and the tuna melt. <laughs> and maybe the tuna melt was like... Nah, let's go Reuben. Extra sauce, please. Just a simple no, right? Maybe it's a cold day and the thought of getting in a cold shower. That's a no for me. My body said, ugh. no. So bring up a simple low stress. No, thank you. Not interested, not available, not for me. Bring that narrative to mind. Connect with it. Drop the narrative, and feel into your body. What is the felt experience of you feeling into? Nope. No. Nope. Not not for me. Let it expand. For me, it's it's this collapse in my chest right now. When I think of something as simple as a cold shower, my body just says, "Ugh." And I feel sort of like squiggly in my body. Like it's like mm, I don't want to do that doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. Once you've felt that, once you've connected with it, I'll invite you to shake it off again. And I literally just shake my paws to come back to neutral and hold both of the sensations in your body. This is a beautiful way to get to know your own desires, your wants, your needs, what's okay for you, and what's a cold shower in New York in November so that you can feel that embodied response because our socialization, our conditioning in the patriarchy and white settler colonialist frameworks of living, they take us out of that felt experience. They need to, those systems cannot survive if we are embodied. They require us to abandon ourselves somatically and in a thousand other ways. So from getting to know your yes and your no, you can find that place of honoring it, of really feeling like this is a yes. And like, oh, no, I don't. I don't. Like I was asked the other night to join a, a nonprofit board. Who did that for 100,000 years. My body was like, oh, no, baby. Mm-mm, nope, 0% saying yes to that. And my my stories, my conditioning, like, uh, you you should do this. All of your privilege, all of your politics, all of your everything, like you really should just say yes. But my body was so clearly saying no. So I got to experience myself as being in ventral vagal with me, being my own most loving parent to my inner children, and really showing up to have my own back to just say, no, thank you. But it was from that embodied place. And there's a different strength When we're in alignment with our physiology, with our body, with that somatic experience of being us. And so to bring it all the way back around to your question, which I did not forget, (laughs) what do you do when you're at the table, right? And there's that pressure to abandon yourself, to eat the thing, to keep someone else from having a feeling because that's what we're doing, right? Right. We're like, if I don't say yes to eating her lasagna, then she's going to feel bad. Right, So we step into that codependent desire to manage other people's lives for them at a cost to our own life, a cost to our own sense of self, our own embodied experience of being us. Plus you're gonna be running to the bathroom all night, let's be real, cause like we're not cow. It's hard not being a cow. I know, I'm with you. I'm with you. damn it. So from that embodied place, that's where we get to set boundaries, right? That's where we get to have our own backs and to say, I'm I'm not available for that. Which is a sentence, I will say most of my clients didn't realize they could say that, right? And I didn't for a long, I didn't know I could just say like, I'm not available to eat that. I'm not available for comments about my body, thank you. Like, I'm just, I'm not hearing it. I'm not available for it. That's like a full grown up sentence. Yeah, it's a full stop. It's like, nope. So then a follow-up
0: question is, What if someone is so triggered in this situation plus very nervous and activated even going into this situation? What if they can't tap into that either embodied yes or embodied no because they're so activated?
2: Totally. That's when I would ask myself, why are you even going? But I think that's, you know, that's a whole, (laughs) that's like a, that's our next episode is like, why are you? why are you going to there? But let's say you do decide to go to there. Um, so this is when we could use a practice like orienting. Yeah? Does that sound like a, a nice thing to bring in here? So orienting is a nervous system regulating practice that I absolutely love. It's particularly helpful for those of us um, for whom going into our bodies, which is like the typical thing, that's recommended. Like, oh, are you stressed? Like, just go into your body. For a lot of us who, um, for whom the site of childhood trauma was our own bodies, that doesn't feel particularly safe. Like, that's just not something that's available, particularly when we're dysregulated. So orienting is when we remind our bodies, our minds, our spirits, that we are in this literal moment, not in the past trauma. Huh? which is what's getting activated, right? When our nervous systems are getting revved up into sympathetic, we are not there. We are a grown-up. We chose our own socks. <laughs> we did our own hair. We drove ourselves here, right? We are actually here of our own choice and volition, right? Probably a deep and profound sense of obligation and desire to put others ahead of ourselves. But at the core, we are adults who chose to be at this table, And we can choose to get present with ourselves by getting present with the environment. So orienting is the practice of reminding yourself that you're here by engaging your senses, which slows down that sympathetic activation, which just makes us wanna run, right? Because we get that tunnel vision, that narrowing. It's like in hypoglycemia where it's like, all I can see is the panic. And so we orient the surroundings by actively looking around and getting present to what is. Because when we are present in this very moment, we're not rolling around in the past and we're not future tripping. We're present here now. So my brain likes colors and shapes as my orienting tool. You can use whatever you like. So I might look around the room. So I'm here in my office. And so let's pick blue. How many blue things do I see? Right, And we'll name them in our mind's eye blue glass mason jar. That statue is blue. That book is blue. That crystal is blue. That pen is blue. Let's go to circles. My glass is a circle. That tincture bottle is a circle. That lipstick is a circle. That candle is a circle, right? And so I'll just look around the room and get real with what is. We can also engage our senses by feeling a texture. So I might like put my own hand on my own shoulder or on my arm and feel my shirt. Right. And these are like those things that you can do at the table and no one's going to know you're doing it, which is really nice. Right. Like you don't like, okay, everybody, I have an announcement. I'm going to regulate my nervous system and here's what I'm going to do. Okay. Like you don't need to do that, you can just stay within yourself. So feeling the texture of this shirt, it's soft, it has a little grain to it, it's thick, it feels really nice between my thumb and index finger. So I'm starting to orient. What do I smell? Well, I've been diffusing lavender this morning, so I smell lavender, smells really nice. What can I taste? I had some tea right before this conversation, so I can still taste that little tannic yumminess of the tea in my mouth. Uh, What can I hear? Well, right now, my own voice, right? So I can hear my own voice talking. And so we can engage with our senses. We can engage with the objects in the room. And this just really slows everything down. So we can just down regulate, just like turn the volume down on that stress response, on that sympathetic activation. <sighs> so we can kind of we can get anchored. We can take a seat in ourselves and can really then make the next right choice in that moment for ourselves, for our relationships, uh, for whatever connection we do or don't want with, with the people in our lives and in the room.
1: I love that. The embodied yes and the embodied no. And I really love how you said that this is something that goes long before we end up at the holiday table and practicing it. And I was immediately thinking about how do you know how to answer your body if you don't know how your body feels? Right. Right? And then the next step is how do I then step into honoring what my body is telling me at the same time? I feel like that is like the the big girl step you know the yeah. big the big yeah. kid like that's the adulting step of like how do I right. then acknowledge how I feel like I feel icky about this or I don't feel great about it or I feel really good about doing this and then how do I then say okay now I'm gonna act on that
2: yeah I think that starts small too so I'm always 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 gonna highly recommend that we take the tiniest step humanly possible um I jokingly say like, Baby steps are really big. I mean, think about a baby's foot. That's a couple inches. What about a kitten paw? Much smaller, much more doable. So we take kitten-sized steps in my programs. So you start with you, right? You start with a conversation where you feel most safe. Yeah, and so let's let's stick with beverages. There's like 14 of them on my desk right now because I'm totally that girl. Um, Before you reach for coffee in the morning, ask yourself, Body, do you want coffee and listen in for yes or no? And then propose an alternative body, do you want tea and listen for the yes or no? Right. And then you can start to play around with asking, do you want coffee or tea? And you can see what your body says in response to that. And then give your body the beverage it requires or it wants at least. Yeah. And you can do that with a sandwich you can do that with do you, I want to watch TV tonight or take a bath uh, if you're me your body will say get in the bath and bring the iPad with you but <laughs> that's just me you can ask your body like do you want to go for a walk like I in my own you know recovery from diet culture and eating disorder world um I ask my body if it wants to exercise every morning right I don't just assume that it wants to because that's our routine so this morning I stood in front of the Peloton. I turned it on. So like Cody would start like being Cody and was like, Hey body, you want to get on this machine? And my body was like, yes, please. I want it so bad. So we got on, but I ask because consent matters, right? It's the core cornerstone of feminism and a rewriting of patriarchal norms within our bodies is to get our own consent so start getting your own consent, start getting your own buy-in, your own yes and no in the little things, right? Body, do you want socks on? We're going outside, do you want a hat, right? But start the conversation so that when the conversation is external, it's, it's not something weird to you. It's not something wild and outside of you to listen to you and to do that honoring step of putting a hat on the body. The body wants hat. Also, just like on that note, if we could ever make an argument for the fact that thought work is real, that we can change our thinking, like as a country, we just decided that like noon's not noon. It's now a different thing, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like it's we can change our thoughts about our relationship to anything.
0: So I think one thing that's also important to draw
2: attention to when we're thinking about
0: Asking ourselves the question and getting consent from ourselves and everything is like, if someone is so head brain, but not heart brain predominantly, right, or doesn't feel very embodied, they don't really identify that much with like the somatic experience of feeling the different signals that their body is giving them. Two things here. One, I think especially if someone is very wrapped up in Mm -hmm. the mentality of like diet culture and shoulds and, you know, also the codependent thinking and outsourcing what we should and shouldn't be doing. Even when you ask yourself that question, it's kind of hard to be like, is this me answering myself or is it these external forces, right? So if someone's there and they're not sure which voice is which, I think one alternative that we can give them is giving some examples of like, what are some things or signs that you can look for in your body that might be giving you a yes versus when your body is like, hell no, are we doing this? But in your mind, it's like, well, maybe it's a hell no, but like, but this says I should do this. And so instead in your body, it's like, my throat feels like it's closing up and my chest is caving in. Can you give some examples like that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I want to say clearly like they're going to be super individual. Right. And that's something that might feel like a hell no to one person is someone else's complete. Hell yes. Like I actually know my friends and I joke about we have this thing called barf club. And so it's like that (laughs) that feeling in your body when you're going to make a decision in your business and you're like, oh, I feel nausea. Oh, I want to barf, but it's the barf of like, let's do this. Like, let's take this courageous action towards our dreams and our goals and making the world a more better place. So, I'm a little low to give a list of like, this means goodness and this means badness. Cause, like, there is a nausea that I recognize as meaning, like, take out your credit card, make it happen, do the webinar, do the
1: right, like, do the thing. You've got that nausea. <laughs> I think sometimes it's that discomfort, right? Like sometimes totally. doing the honoring or doing that, that next step is honestly really uncomfortable for a lot of sure. people. And so that can make yeah. us feel nauseous. That can make us feel sure. sweaty palms and all the different totally. things that we could be feeling too. Right? And I guess the thing I will say is that intuition,
2: that that knowing from our bodies it's all about the tone and tenor, right? So I think what you're going to, Dana, is like, how do I know if it's my conditioning, my socialization, my thought habits, my, my, right, my sympathetic habits? Um, I mean, we can also get into racism in the nervous system. You know, I'm going to I'm delighted to go there. I know you want to come with me, but let me let me pause on that for two seconds. Uh, the difference between brain and body. The difference between conditioning, socialization and that somatic yes, that intuitive yes is the tone and tenor, right? So intuition is calm, quiet. It's not like out here trying to say, like you just said, Christina, like exactly what you want to hear. Often your intuition is gonna say the legit opposite and that's what that is. But it's that voice that's like, hey girl, just don't go there this year. Just don't do that thing. You don't wanna do that thing, don't do that thing, right? And those other voices, the voice of anxiety, the voice of sympathetic activation is like, okay, yeah, maybe you should do the thing, but like maybe don't do the thing. And it's like really racing and it's like frenetic and it's like got this pitch and this tenor and it's, or it's the like mean voice, right? Like your family won't love you. You will be abandoned if you don't go home for Turkey day. Like none of those voices are loving, right? So listen to the tone, listen to the tenor. And I hear you, some people are more are more mind-body than, than heart-body. And I know that that can be rewritten, right? That, that it's, a, it's a set of habits. It's a set of survival patterns um, that really can be explored and shifted. And for me, it just starts with this, this gentle opening to hearing the body. I love that. Thank
0: you. I think it's really helpful too because I think there are so I mean especially in this time of year when we're not only hearing the oh I should do this because of you know we always talk about diet culture and like body image stuff that's external but then there's also familial expectations and then now all of that gets internalized it's like well Now, my internal voice is telling me to do these other things, but my true intuitive knowing voice is like, no, stick up for yourself. Do the things to protect, right? Right. So if you're confused about all of this, (laughs) you're not alone, you know, especially if this is the first time or one of the first times that you're starting to hear about all of this stuff, it's okay to be confused.
2: People spend years of grad school working on this stuff. So you're not alone. (laughs) You're not alone. You're not alone at all. Yeah. I'm also just like, my brain just went to diet culture and how many years I avoided carbs and how much that sucked. And like, when I just decided like, let's try listening to the body around what to eat. Like my body really, really, really runs so well when I'm giving it, oh, I don't know the the hydrocarbon backbone it needs to create life. Yeah. I love a carb. I just love a carb. And our codependent thinking tells us, you know, we need to fit societal slender norms, which means like also being that girl at the table is like, oh, I'm not eating bread right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm just like not doing that. And then like kind of looking around to see who thinks you're like really being a good student of diet culture, mm-hmm. right? Want that external validation for self deprivation. Right. Oh my God, I could never do that. You're oh my so God, good. no. I like. I, I just like don't eat dessert.
1: <coughs> I don't like dessert. Liar. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. I think we should just title this this show "Love Yourself, Love a Carb."
0: <laughs> okay. Well, Victoria, thank you so so much for coming on. We want to be mindful of your time, um, so we are going to wrap up here. But please tell people all of the places that they can find you, your podcast, your website, Instagram, all of the things. And I know you have free
2: meditations on your website too. So go plug those. Okay, great. There's free meditations and also a free orienting exercise. So if you want to have a download, you can just keep on your phone. Anytime you're feeling "Ah!" you can just excuse yourself to the bathroom, which is my favorite thing because who's going to begrudge you a trip to the bathroom. And you can listen to the orienting exercises. So you can get that at the top of my website, victorialbina.com. There's an inner child, uh, reparenting your inner child one, boundaries, orienting, and they're all for free, victorialbina.com. My podcast is called Feminist Wellness. That is also free every Thursday. And it is for all the humans of all of the many genders and no genders. Uh, It's a great show, and I really enjoy it. And we talk about this. We talk about self-worth and how to love yourself more betterly. Uh, You can find me on the gram at Victoria Albina Wellness. I give good gram. And wait, I really should be telling the people about the thing. Do you know you can get free text (laughs) messages from me? Do you know about this? I mean, I get free text messages from me (laughs) Fair. Fair. Right. But that's more like, oh, my God, look at this cool thing I just found at Target. Um, But you... There's... (laughs) Um, If you text uh, 917-540-8447, that number again is 917-540-8447, you can get free love notes from me. Carrier rates may apply. Um, (laughs) And it's just like a thing I do because I love spreading love. Love is so amazing. And the more love I give, the more love I feel. And that's dope.
0: Yay. I love that. Well, I did not know that you were doing that, so so I will definitely put that number in the show notes in case people didn't get it the two times you said it, which they might be driving. They might. So who knows? Who knows? Please don't be on your phone if you're driving. Please don't.
2: General PSA for the day. I love that. I love, you should just like always end with a PSA. Also, you (laughs) know what people love is when you tell them what they should do. (laughs) That's a loving choice. Let's just make note of that, right? I love it.